0: hello fellow traveler on this treacherous mysterious very long yet very short journey called human incarnation this is your host tanya and you are listening to the metamistic podcast hello and welcome to the second episode of the metamistic podcast this is your host tanya and uh thank you so much for being here I truly appreciate all of the amazing uh, messages and comments we've received on the first episode. And I really appreciate everyone for taking the time out of their day to listen to this podcast. Um, If you feel so inclined, you can support this podcast by um, subscribing on whatever platform you listen to this on. And if you write us a review, it would really help us to grow this podcast. And uh, just to... Begin this episode today. I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that the 2020 holiday season is in full dang effect, <laughs> and uh, I know a lot of people really love this time of year, but for a lot of us, the holidays can be really tricky for obvious reasons. Um, and that, and that's in normal times, uh, not in the context of a global pandemic which is what we are dealing with this year um so i just wanted to take a moment to really encourage anyone who might be struggling with anxiety loneliness um, family drama or just a real sense of disconnectedness that can come along with this time of year uh, to really create space for yourself to do whatever you need to do to feel present and to enjoy this time of year. Um, I know for myself, since my parents passed away, the holidays have always brought a lot of heavy feelings and um, when we look out into the world and there's so much illness and isolation happening this year, and um, those feelings can really feel compounded. Uh, but something that's helped me quite a bit is to develop new traditions around the holiday season that are focused on being present and just enjoying the beauty and inherent magic in this time of year. Um, in my neighborhood, and I've noticed this um, in a lot of different neighborhoods around my town people are just really killing it in the decorations department uh, because that's at least one thing we can have this year right Um, so one of the traditions i've developed uh, this year is to just every night spend some time walking my puppy in my neighborhood and um, just walking silently with my dog with no distractions, no music, no podcasts, but to just really take in the scenery and get present and just feel um, some sense of holiday magic that just is inherent in this time of year. So um, I also know that many of us are not big fans of the religious overtones or you know, some of the puritanical imagery that uh, is a part of this holiday season in many traditions as well. And um, for myself, the last couple of years, I've really benefited from connecting to nature uh, through celebrating the winter solstice, which uh, for myself, myself has been a way to connect to something much more primordial and universal uh, than my own like limited reference point um, and framework and so uh, the winter solstice in many cultures represents the return of the light Um, as a side note it should be said there are some real problems with equating light with goodness and dark with badness for a lot of historical reasons. Um, But in a purely metaphorical sense, uh, the return of the light has very powerful poetic symbolism. And for myself, uh, that has a lot to do with the transitory nature of all things. Uh, That's been really helpful for me to think about in the context of 2020 and just the idea that nothing lasts forever, even this pandemic, things always change and the world is always in flux. And so in the same way that the days will begin to get longer and longer after the solstice, The situation we're in will transform and will change in many different ways. And in the midst of all of that, our lives are occurring right now. And so... Even though this may have been a very hard year for many of us and it might be a really difficult holiday season to feel holiday cheer, (laughs) Um, this is still your life and it's still happening right now. And so I would encourage you to create space for yourself to just breathe and be present within this particular moment of your life because it is passing every day, which is the bad news but the good news is is that that's what makes it so beautiful and that's what makes this human experience so uh, beautifully fleeting and precious and so I hope you have a great holiday season I will be seeing you in the new year with some new episodes but first we have this very exciting uh, episode with the amazing Lindsay Hanlon. We had a great conversation. We talked about everything from the intersection of feminism and makeup. Uh, to the importance of the arts and humanities and education and everything in between. I think you're going to love this episode. So thanks for tuning in to the Mystic podcast. And here is your guest, Lindsay Hanlon. Well, welcome to the Mystic podcast, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, just quickly for our audience who may not be familiar with you or your work, can you just introduce yourself and let us know a bit about what you've been up to lately?
1: Absolutely, uh, my name is Lindsay Hanlon. I am the communications director for the Laramie County Democrats in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I am often on the deputy communications director for the state democratic party. And I am also a blogger um, I have just gotten out of TikTok because I thought I had too much free time, and I vlog <laughs> and I talk about pop culture, feminism, makeup, uh, politics, basically whatever is causing me to want
0: to rant into the ether on that particular day. <laughs> That's awesome, and I definitely want to get into um, some of the work you've been doing, but uh, first off, I just want to say it's been so cool. Um to have the benefit of social media in this age. Um, I think as for as much as it can really cause some problems for us, it's been so cool to see so many people throughout the years Um, really change and grow and just the evolution of people that you may not have been able to keep in contact with. And so I've known you since high school. (laughs) We were on the speech and debate team together. And it's just been really cool to see so many people from our nerdy little high school community (laughs) go on and do such really important work in the world. And, you know, for me as a young person, I think having that kind of peer group and solid arts and humanities uh, background was so informative to what I went on to do. Do you think that there's anything to that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, first of all, as you say, social
1: media has brought us some of the worst of humanity, but it's also brought us some of the most awesome things. And honestly, I think uh, it has kind of obviated the need for things like high school reunions. Mm-hmm, because now totally. we're just, all, I already know what everyone's been up to. I see it every day. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and that's really cool. And, and yeah, it keeps us connected even when we scatter. Like I know, you know, I went out to Boston. I think yeah. a couple of people have gone out to like Alaska, Seattle, Portland. So we're scattered across the country, but we're still connected. And we still get to keep tabs on each other and see everyone's growth and everyone's progression and I think that's
0: fantastic. Absolutely
1: and, um oh sorry oh no uh, you're good go ahead and just to the arts and not thing I think that's also very important I yes. mean I think the thing especially during COVID that we are all realizing is that we are kept sane by mm-hmm. the arts mm-hmm. um when we've been all asked to stay home and not talk to people in the real world and suddenly we have books and music and tv and everything like that. And it's the arts that keep us grounded. It's the arts that keep us from losing our minds.
0: Yeah. You know, I think about all of the budget cuts that we're seeing in the arts and humanities specifically. And I know that for me as a young person in a really difficult era to grow up in and I'm assuming now it's even harder um what kept me sane is having people that were you know more interested in like studying foreign policy to bolster their cases instead of like (laughs) whatever the typical high school thing is so I just wonder about that sometimes like what it's like to be a young person today and to see these programs disappearing yeah I mean I think you
1: I think you lose a lot of your community and I think you lose a lot of your passions. Mm-hmm. Uh, people kind of discount the arts and humanities because we're not quote unquote profitable.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then they, you know, go to see an Avengers movie Yeah. <laughs> made by the arts right. and humanities. Mm-hmm. But also I think just people, we place different types of value on things. And I think that it really is invaluable to find like-minded people and to find things that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I try to imagine what high school would have been like if we didn't have a speech and debate, and I would have just been very lonely and very bored.
2: Mm-hmm, <laughs> <Yes>.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, to switch gears a bit, um, you are doing some amazing political work okay. in a community that we're both from, obviously. That is uh, traditionally very conservative and um, very hesitant to allow, um, I guess, a diversity of public discourse for the <laughs> most part. I've seen some of what you've posted that you've dealt with um, the last couple of years. I know the last four years has been difficult for a lot of us with more progressive social values. So, what has your experience been working in that kind of environment? It's been both really awesome and really
1: terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, I had sitting legislatures or legislators uh, share my picture and personal information Mm -hmm. on the internet to their followers, which was super fun. Yeah. Um, But also, I've met some really incredible people, and I have honestly seen a change in the discourse, a change in how we talk about things. We had some pretty terrible losses in this last cycle, which Mm -hmm. we always kind of do worse in. Presidential years, but also just the whole Trump thing makes all of our arithmetic weird. Mm -hmm. But I've also seen a rise in people talking about the topics that I think we need to be talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, I I have seen more liberal letters to the editor. I have seen more people on social media being willing to say they're a Democrat. I there there is a large population in Wyoming that I call Democrats on the down low. (laughs) they they are registered democrats Mm -hmm. but they're not going to talk about it at work they're not going to talk about it with their friends because they're afraid and Mm -hmm. they're afraid that they're going to get hassled or that they're going to get disowned
0: Mm -hmm. or that
1: they're going to get um you know publicly humiliated which Mm -hmm. does happen all those things do happen but I think it's also because we feel alone and Wyoming is a very large state with very few people Mm -hmm. And if you are one Democrat in a town of 50, then yeah, it feels really hard to be out as a Democrat um, and not to co-opt language from the queer community, which I'm also part of. I'm not trying to do that. I promise. It's just the best example that I have. It's the best comparison that I have of knowing something about yourself and not being able to share it. Mm -hmm. And so I think, again, social media does amazing work Mm -hmm. where we can connect with democrats from lander we can connect with democrats from afton mm-hmm. and we can make sure that we are all part of a larger community so mm-hmm. the good i think outweighs the bad but the bad definitely makes me question my life choices
0: yeah i'm <laughs> <That's> sure <often. laughs> um, and something that's been really cool to see is that it seems like there definitely is a shift especially within our generation of people who are willing to actually get involved in the political process. I'm seeing so many people run for offices that, you know, it it just didn't seem like there was that much representation growing up. So that's just been so cool to see.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's really interesting because I think for a long time, our generation, especially kind of as a result of the economic crisis and us kind of losing all of these markers that we traditionally think of as adulthood, like Mm -hmm. I'm, not going to buy a house anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I am still, you know, patching together fifteen million jobs to try and make a career. Mm-hmm. It took a long time for our generation to feel like we were adults. I think,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so for a long time, I was kind of setting things out, just waiting for the adults in the room to, you know, step forward and do yeah. these things that I wanted to see happening. Mm-hmm. And then I finally realized I'm the adult in the room. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that we're a lot of us are coming to that realization of you know, this is not going to get fixed for us. We have to be an active part of this process Mm -hmm. um, because we're the, we're the only ones who can step forward right now. You know, Gen Mm -hmm. Z is fantastic and they're killing me on TikTok (laughs) and they're going to do amazing things, but they're also, you know, still children and teenagers and young adults. And it's unfair to ask them to change the world Mm -hmm. while we like sit back and eat popcorn.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, And so something that I've really uh, loved to see about your social media presence is that you are representing so many important ideas, intersectionality, feminist ideals, um, you know, LGBTQIA rights. um, But you also have a great way of putting in a lot of lightheartedness and joy and creativity. Like you have your makeup of the day posts that are always so fire. And so I think you found a really great balance of talking about, you know, the meat and potatoes issues, but also making it fun and giving something, giving people something, you know, a little bit more lighthearted to keep coming back to. So I'd love to hear about what your relationship has been like and your journey um, with just engaging with social media the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I have been blogging off and on for about four or five years. Um, Basically, once I left Boston, I had a lot of things I wanted to shout at people and no one to shout them to. Mm -hmm. So I started (laughs) doing the Feminist Friday post for one of my friend's blogs, where I basically just got free reign to rant about whatever I wanted to rant about. And one of the things that I learned pretty quickly is that, you know, I have to put myself into this work. I have to put myself, even if I'm not, you know, signing this with my name, which I wasn't at the time, because I was like, I'm moving to Wyoming and want to get hired someday. I I still have to put my personality in or else it's just, you know, facts. It's just dry. It's just, this is a news recap. Yeah. And I think I definitely developed a voice through that and developed a voice through, honestly, like Facebook is still my go-to. If I just Mm -hmm. have a thought that I want to dash off, then it's going to go there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But I also attribute it somewhat to what I call uh, the fact that I'm an optimistic nihilist, Mm -hmm. which is is that I am pretty sure that everything is going to end terribly, but- (laughs) I don't want that to be an excuse to not try and not try to bring joy to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's actually something kind of freeing about knowing that whatever you do is probably going to end badly, but like, <laughs> screw it then. Like, let's sure. just have fun. Yeah. And so, uh, when I started getting interested in makeup in the last couple of years, as I started kind of exploring my gender, then exploring my sexuality,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and kind of trying to figure out what all that meant for me, I fell down a YouTube wormhole of makeup commentary and makeup commenters and makeup tricks and I started doing a lot of makeup and I started watching a lot of this stuff and I really started to want to like mix all the things I was passionate about with that new idea because mm-hmm. there's a lot of you know feminist critique capitalist critique racial critique mm-hmm. that fits into the makeup community and um you know they say a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine goes, go down mm-hmm. and yeah I think a lot of people are more willing to listen to me rant about capitalism if I'm doing it while I'm like also struggling through a cut crease. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And so that has been kind of my, my aim. And I just, there's only so far you can get with talking about sadness, which you have Mm -hmm. to talk about. The world is messed up in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but you have to have kind of the other side of it, which is the world is messed up. Here's a thing we can do to fix it. Or the world is messed up. Here is the thing we should try even if it's gonna fail, because otherwise you just end up with apathy and Mm -hmm. depression and that doesn't get us anywhere.
0: Right. Um, And I know that, especially within this last year, it's been really hard for so many of us to remain motivated, to be productive, to be engaged in the work that we're doing, let alone politics and (laughs) trying to be agents of change when our world is falling apart. It it can be very scary. So have you developed any strategies for being productive when things are crazy?
1: (laughs) Uh, A couple. Um, (laughs) The first is that
0: I do let myself
1: have a few days where I'm just not productive. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that we as a society place a really big burden on if you are not productive, you are not valuable. Mm -hmm. And that can mess with your head really badly. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to know that at least every once in a while, you are allowed to just kind of sit there and mope and be sad that the world is kind of on fire. Yeah. Um, And I think you need those days because otherwise we, it's kind of like how um, when people have illnesses and we kind of have this like bright-sided discourse of, oh, they're a fighter, they're a warrior, Mm -hmm. they're going to get through this with a smile on their face. Like sometimes you just want to scream. Like Mm -hmm. if you're chronically ill or there's something going on, sometimes you just want to scream. And you need to be allowed to do that. You need to be allowed to be unhappy sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but the second thing that I've done is uh, get a therapist.
0: <laughs> yeah, yes.
1: <love laughs> and <that. laughs> um, and uh, she talks to me a lot about what she calls zones of control, which okay. is focusing in on the things that you personally can have some effect on, mm-hmm. because otherwise you do start feeling completely overwhelmed and completely out of your depth. And so for me, a zone of control is I can get this document edited today and then I will feel accomplished and this will have happened and will be good. Or I can slowly start to affect politics if I am sending, you know, three Facebook messages out a week to potential volunteers. Mm -hmm. And the goal is never finish all of my work all at once or, you know, change the political discourse of all of Wyoming. Right. Because those are tasks that are way above me. Sure. But there are small things that I can focus on And I can control to make myself feel better, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, And just, you know, remembering to take care of yourself. Again, Mm -hmm. I think just in general, we don't put a high value on just being good. Um, Mm -hmm. That's just being good to ourselves. So, you know, Mm -hmm. petting my dog, Mm -hmm. uh, listening to music, going outside when it's not snowing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Just doing those things that remind me that, like, I'm still a person, that I am still valuable in and of myself mm-hmm. without having to also be doing something.
0: Yeah. I think that's solid advice. And I, I love how much, especially during the times of COVID um, there has been much more of a discussion about self-care, mm-hmm. something I wanted to get your thoughts on though Um is this really concerning trend that I'm seeing in a lot of the spaces that I run in, which are, you know, traditionally very very granola, like (laughs) yoga, wellness communities that are taking the self-care concepts almost to this like libertarian extreme (laughs) where things are extremely individualistic. And, you know, at their most extreme, we're seeing people who are, you know, yoga practitioners propagating QAnon conspiracies. And it's just, it's very strange and very weird. So are you noticing a trend in like the rise of individualism in this time? And what do you think that's all about?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think just in general, I th- so self-care, like almost everything else in our world has been co-opted by individualism and by capitalism. Mm-hmm. And so self-care is starting to not mean, you know, do the thing to make you feel better in this world and like get you back in the game. Mm -hmm. Self-care has become buy these really expensive crystals Mm -hmm. that are not ethically sourced Mm -hmm. and, you know, go on this yoga retreat and like, yeah, there's a pandemic, but you need this for you. Right. Um, And so we kind of see both of those things happening. And I think part of it is we don't think of ourself in terms of our community like Mm -hmm. for me self-care is you know it's you know taking a minute to think taking a minute to sit back but it's also talking to my friends Mm -hmm. because for me taking care of the self also means taking care of my community Mm -hmm. and i think we've we're just encouraged not to think that way we're just encouraged to think in a very you know freedoms without responsibilities sort of way Mm-hmm. And I honestly always go back to uh, Spider Man, yeah. <laughs> said, uh, with great power comes great responsibility, mm-hmm. and I think that we do have some incredible options and choices and freedoms in this world, but they all come with the necessity to also think about other people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the the rise of just this "I got mine, so f you" mm-hmm. uh, kind of culture. Yeah in every space, like there's feminism about that. There's feminists, Yeah, you know, like I got mine, now F you. Mm-hmm. And it just betrays to me that there's a lot of people who mistake their own personal success for just success at writ large, you know, mm-hmm. once they've made it, it's fine. And I think it's also because we have lost sight of how we got to this place. Like mm-hmm. um, we got weekends because Mm -hmm. of collective labor we got yes
0: exactly
1: (laughs) we got to where we are Mm -hmm. because we work together and i think between how we show things in history and how we emphasize things in culture like we would much rather believe that elon musk is a uniquely genius big brain man Mm -hmm. that is the only person who can save us than to be like hey elon musk used a lot of publicly funded uh technology ideas to get him to where he's at and he'd be absolutely useless without his army of workers underneath him. So Maybe true. there's something about collective labor and collective idea building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we don't like that we don't like that narrative
0: and what's so paradoxical about it is that these movements around you know highly individualistic like wellness Mm -hmm. culture holistic nutrition even the anti-vaxxer movement are offering a sense of community (laughs) by (laughs) you know what I mean and it it gets very ideological and almost culty so quick so Yeah. yeah it's just something that I've been really concerned about and part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast is to offer an (laughs) alternative space to talk about very woo-woo things even (laughs) but to have a sense of like community and responsibility that really grounds it
1: yeah yeah well I think I mean you see that with almost any of these weird movements I mean one of the reasons the alt-right gets so popular is that it tells a lot of these like sad white boys that mm-hmm. they are super special and they are part of a community and they are the best person that they know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's one of the reasons it's hard to bring them back is because once they come back, they're like, oh, I pissed off everyone else I ever met by yes. <laughs> joining this community. Yeah, And so leaving the community becomes as terrifying as anything else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yeah, we have echo chambers and algorithms and all kinds of things that make it easier to only see the opinions that we want to see and only yes. hear from the people we want to hear from.
0: Yes. And, you know, one of the criticisms I hear a lot uh, about the left, and I don't think it's necessarily fair, but there is this discourse about there you know, there not being a path to redemption. And this entire idea that, you know, the left eats its own and that at least, (laughs) you know, people that disagree on the right are able to come together to try to, you know, make something happen. So do you think that there is a path to redemption? And if so, like, what would that look like?
1: So I think it kind of depends on what has gone wrong. Sure, sure. Um, So for example, you know, Uh, the the thing that hits closest to my heart because I'm a former sexual assault advocate is like sexual harassment or sexual assault allegations Mm -hmm. and there for me the path to redemption is very hard because most of our traditional forms of justice are probably not going to be enacted like Mm -hmm. um, they're probably not going to see their day in court rape cases almost never do yes Um, there's not like we don't have like Uh, like virginity price or something like we did Mm -hmm. in in the days of Hammurabi like they're not gonna get like like compensation um and you know their lives are never gonna be the same like there's no you can't make up for something like that the way that Mm -hmm. you can like oh man like I drove my car into your house I will fix your house Mm -hmm. um there's not really a way to fix that up but I think that there is a way to show repentance and to show that you understand the gravity of what you've done And to remove yourself from places of power, that would put you in danger of hurting someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, I I don't think that, like, Louis C.K. needs to be thrashed with whips every day of his life for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he should get to produce a show anymore. I don't think he should get to headline comedy clubs where he's going to be working with, you know, female acts or, you know, even with female audience members. I Mm -hmm. think that he needs to just... Take whatever millions he's gotten and sit down and like read some bell hooks
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you know kind of think about his life choices yeah uh, i i do think that it's hard i simultaneously think that like cancel culture is not real because no one that we have ever quote-unquote canceled has ever actually been canceled mm-hmm. like no one who like no one who has ever lost a job or lost a position because of cancel culture has actually i guess like weinstein and bill cosby So if Mm -hmm. you've raped 80 plus women, then you might lose your job. Yeah. But short of that, there's almost no process. There's almost no thing that like, like Jeffree Star still exists Mm -hmm. and apparently now has a ranch in Wyoming. um, Mm -hmm. So that's fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm so so mad. I'm so mad. Um, But also, I think that cancel culture does exist in that we do have the tendency to pile on and the tendency to just instantly critique people as soon as they've done something wrong and I think that part of it is we have a tendency to confuse destroying someone with critiquing someone mm-hmm. and so for example like I really like the youtuber ContraPoints but okay. she has some problematic aspects mm-hmm. and there is a way to discuss those aspects in a way that it's not go kill yourself yeah but a lot of people get to the go kill yourself level of critique Mm-hmm. And I think that part of what we do just has to be about acknowledging acknowledging that we are all imperfect. Like the
0: mm-hmm. feminist
1: I am now is hopefully much better than the feminist I was 10 years ago. And if mm-hmm. you looked at my social media 10 years ago, I probably said some really stupid shit mm-hmm. that I will now apologize for if it is ever brought up. Sure. And yeah. you know, and I think that's part of it is just Apology and accountability are not always the same thing. So, there's a lot of people who will apologize and then that's it. Like, okay, I'm sorry now. So, you have to stop talking about me.
0: Right. Um, But what are you doing to fix the harm you caused?
1: Yeah. What are you doing to fix the harm caused? If there's no clear way, what are you doing to prevent future harm? Mm -hmm. And I do think there's a path to redemption, but I also think that there's something to be said for, honestly, especially in the case of white men, like, you don't deserve to go back to the position that you were at before. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, we're not going to like hound you, but you don't deserve the things that you had. Mm-hmm. You don't des- like, no one deserves, you know, a multi million dollar talk show deal or something. So if you messed up badly enough to hurt people, like, you can be redeemed without regor- rega- ugh, regaining your f- former glory. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to also stop confusing atonement with just like getting to go back. To the way things were.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, something I think about a lot, especially with how we engage with each other on the left is that the language we're using around these social issues are, it's, it's always changing. And that's a great thing. Um, but I think that it, it's hard for a lot of people to keep up with. Yeah. And so um, I just wish that there was a way to have a wider sense of like education on yeah. the rhetoric and the way that yeah. we discuss these things and just a little more, I guess, compassion around the way that we correct each other when we're talking specifically about language.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think the language changes quickly and you're right, it can be hard to keep up with. I mean, I, I'm i sure you and I both grew up with the... Uh, you call disabled people differently abled mm-hmm. like that was like the discourse yes. when we were kids and now mm-hmm. the discourse is just call them disabled like yes, exactly. i am disabled i have mm-hmm. disabilities yes. it's fine
2: mm-hmm.
1: um it's or the same thing with you know i call myself fat because mm-hmm. i'm not you know curvy i'm i'm literally no curves I'm just, <laughs> <thick>. <laughs> and so, and there's nothing to me insulting about being fat. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we talk about things and the way we do these things changes so rapidly. And yeah, I think we, we all need a little bit of grace of, you know, oh, you use this term. That's not really the term anymore. You use this term instead. Hey, heads up. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, I kind of think of it as, you know, when someone tells you that your taillight is out, like you have yeah. to fix your taillight because it's dangerous to not have your taillight working yeah but if someone's just like hey your taillight's out you're not gonna be like oh screw you yeah like, how dare you tell me that my taillight is out
2: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah and you also want it to be like hey curse words that I don't know if I can say on this podcast
0: uh, <laughs> you can say whatever you want <laughs>
1: yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so, so you're also not gonna be like hey motherfucker your taillight's out like right. you're not gonna approach it that way mm-hmm. and so I see it as you know corrective and a favor so Mm -hmm. if i'm ever and we're human so we feel defensive for a minute where it's like well my tail light was fine yesterday Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and so so we have this moment where we're defensive and then hopefully we can get over that moment to be like oh yeah i should totally fix my taillight. thanks dude Mm -hmm. and i i think we need to approach it that way a lot more but i also understand that a lot of people on the left who are educators who have been trying to be educators are just very tired (laughs)
2: yes because
1: they've mm-hmm. been trying to explain this and trying to do this for so long and it especially you know it seems like every other day there's someone coming out of work to be like i don't i don't believe you i need you to deliver a 10-page essay with cited sources on why you are right and i am wrong
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you just won't go google exists mm-hmm. google exists and it's right at your fingertips and there's so much you can be doing so i i wish that leftist discourse actually had like a broader range in terms of what we could say and how many people would hear say it
2: mm-hmm. because a
1: lot of the time it feels like one thousand one-on-one conversations mm-hmm. that will hopefully slowly change the world as opposed to like yeah I know Eli Whitney uh invented the cotton gin because that's the one thing from high school history that I remember. Mm -hmm. like it needs to be in a textbook that we're all reading or in a class that we're all seeing or in or a show that we're all watching and then hopefully we can stop having these exhausting Conversations
0: all the time, and I think too, just really an emphasis on what we're fighting for and the things yeah. that we love. Like I remember listening to a podcast where RuPaul was talking about, you know, like we're the party with the colors and the yeah. glitter and the dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and that like that's what we're like. Yeah. It's supposed to be about joy and what we love yeah. and what we fight for. And so many times, it just seems like. I mean i i also agree i don't think that cancel culture is as much of a thing as we we have the reputation for but it it can get a little snarky out
1: there yeah Yeah. well it can get snarky and it and like you say like we can lose sight of why we're doing what we're doing Mm -hmm. like i'm not i'm not telling anyone they're using the wrong language because i want to like own their ass with facts and logic Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i'm telling them that i don't like what they're doing because i want them to be a better person and a more fun part of our community yeah and I mean like you know if you do imagine it as a natural party like mm-hmm. if someone yeah. comes to, to a party I'm throwing and they call my trans friend like in an inappropriate term yeah. that's gonna make the party kind of suck absolutely so I'm not telling them that they're being mean because like I hate them I'm telling them because they hurt my friend's feelings and they're bringing the party down mm-hmm And ideally they can apologize and start using the correct term and like the music can go back up and we can get going again. And I think instead we kind of have both the reputation and sometimes the action of just like, it's all about shame. It's all about repentance. Mm -hmm. It's all about, yes, you are in fact a terrible person. No, go sit in the corner and think about all your life choices. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, the reason that I want people to be friends and to be good to other people is so that we can all just be good to each other Mm -hmm. i i don't want like i'm not a feminist because i want like um matriarchy in which i have crushed all men under my heel (laughs) um though every once in a while that does sound fun Uh, (laughs) but i i'm a feminist because i want all genders to be equal and i want us all to be on the same footing and all to be able to relate to one another Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and i think that and i think honestly that part of where we get this reputation and part of where this comes from, and this is me being also stereotypical, but like, I think there are people out there who do things to cause pain. Like yes. there, there, is no, there is no reason to separate, you know, a parent from their children across the border unless you're doing it to cause pain. Like the pain mm-hmm. is part of the point there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard for people with that mindset to imagine other people doing things without the intention to cause pain. Sure. Um, like if you've ever, you know, gotten your feelings hurt by someone and then you learn something about them and they're like, oh, why don't you like hurt my feelings with that information? It's like, cause I don't want to mm-hmm. like, they're just institutionally un- incapable of understanding that we're doing this thing without the intention to hurt, that we're doing this thing without the intention to make someone's life worse. Mm-hmm. And so, especially when you personally have that mindset, it's very hard to understand other people not having that mindset.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is why I think a lot of the alt-right is like, oh yeah, like the, the leftist wants us all to be unhappy. It's like, no, dude, like the left wants us to not kill people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if that makes you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, so I think it's a little bit of a ball- And And there are honestly people on the left who do have that causing pain mentality. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's unique to any one group. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's harder to be a leftist and want to just cause pain because it's pretty antithetical to all of your other viewpoints, but mm-hmm cognitive dissonance is a thing
0: sure so um in the last podcast I did I it was pre-election and so I think I was more than anything mentally prepared for things to not quite go our way I think a lot of us were just because the last four years has been so rough yeah but luckily things look pretty good um although there's so much work to do yeah um, are you hopeful when you look out into the political sphere for the direction our country is going? And do you think that this crazy amount of social <laughs> fragmentation that we've been experiencing, um, is, is there reason to be hopeful for more unity in the next couple of years? <laughs> so I, I have
1: up days and down days. Um, I th- overall, I'm hopeful. Overall, I think that we are starting to course correct Um, But the thing that I keep coming back to and the thing that I have a hard time wrapping my mind around is that almost half of our country still voted for Trump after the last four years. Mm -hmm. Like they looked at the last four years and they're like, yes, this is my guy.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I have trouble, A, imagining that there's that many people that think that way in this country Mm -hmm. just because I like to think that the last four years have been pretty demonstrative of why he is not anyone's guy. Mm -hmm. But also because... I have a hard time, I think that one of our problems with our fracturing is that we are literally living in different realities at a certain point. Like my facts and your facts are not the same facts. Um, My trusted institutions and your trusted institutions are not the same trusted institutions. Me trying to tell you the facts will actually cause the backlash effect. And then you will hate me even more and be even more centered in your ideas and so the part that I have a hard time with is trying to figure out how how to bring those people back into a community without hurting the people they have hurt even further. Mm-hmm. Like instead, like, I think a lot of the time we're like, oh, the poor, like alt-right boy. And it's like, oh, also here's all these marginalized communities that we don't give as much uh, airspace to as we do the poor alt-right white boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of my problem is I don't, I haven't found a good way yet To reintegrate those people without causing further harm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of it just becomes about finding shared goals and shared ideas Mm -hmm. where, you know, if we both want our kids to go to good schools and, you know, our living space to look nice, here are the shared things we have to believe in in order to make that happen. But it's really hard to imagine, you know, going up to some of my Republican neighbors with their Trump flags and their, like liberal tears coffee mugs mm-hmm. and being like hey let's let's have a drink
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah uh,
1: like here I'll take the liberal tears coffee mug it'll be funny mm-hmm. so I, I am hopeful but I also am concerned just because I think that and I don't even necessarily think that it's um, a new thing I think a lot of these splits existed mm-hmm. but I think especially in the age of technology we're in and the media age that we're in It is just very easy to, like we said before, lose sight of the fact that you're in a community. Mm -hmm. And as long as they have this other community online that is all the other people who also think Bill Gates is microchipping Mm -hmm. our vaccines instead of the phones that have already been microchipped.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: I think it's going to be hard to kind of find consensus in a way that doesn't feel like we're just like giving up to authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. So I am tentatively hopeful. Yeah. at the very least, I think that we have a chance to work for progress as opposed to working against regression, mm-hmm. which, just in a mindset terms, is so much better for you. Um, if yeah.
2: You told,
1: if you had told me ten years ago we'd still be fighting over Roe v. Wade, and yeah. that would still be a conversation we we're having, I'd have laughed in your face mm-hmm. because, duh, like Roe v. Wade was already settled. We're fine. Mm-hmm. And now, like we're. But so like fighting for abortion rights feels like fighting against regression, whereas, you know, fighting for um, trans rights feels like fighting for progress. Mm-hmm. And that makes I,
2: sense.
1: We have to have both those fights, you know, like I'm not gonna give up on abortion just because it makes me feel bad to have to
2: yeah.
1: remember why people think that way. But it's a good mindset to be like, yeah, we're actually making things better. Like we can work on making things better instead of just like stemming the tide mm-hmm. <laughs> of terrible things happening to us.
0: Sure. So for someone listening who might feel compelled to become a little bit more engaged with the political process in their own community or even in a wider sphere, what advice would you give to that person?
1: Uh, So politics wise, uh, figure out where your local county party is and start attending their meetings or just get in touch with them. Uh, They will be desperate for your help. I promise you, Mm -hmm. they will uh, happily accept you into the fold and find things to have you help out with. Uh, Things like voter registration initiatives are really important because Mm -hmm. like basically country across the country, about half of our electorate is not even registered to vote. Mm -hmm. And so having everyone's voice in the mix will make a huge difference. Uh, If politics itself still seems a little overwhelming start with a local nonprofit. Again, they will be desperately happy for your help and your assistance and there are a lot of ways that that nonprofit work and those nonprofit skills can then translate into doing things in politics. I worked with nonprofits and I taught for a long time before Mm -hmm. I started doing this political stuff and both being a teacher and begging for for money uh, uh, have been invaluable skills Mm -hmm. for my political work. Yeah. So those those are kind of my suggestions is it, it can be really intimidating to look at these national problems as national problems. So start looking at it as, you know, local problems, as mm-hmm. a county problem, as, you know, like my my local senator blocked me on Facebook. <laughs> what what can I do with my local party to make that person not my local senator anymore?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that might even be running for office uh, again mm-hmm. in terms of that you are the grown up thing. We're in our 30s. Uh, yeah. We are we are almost at the age where we could run for president. I'm not going to. Yeah. (laughs) But but the founding fathers decided that like 35 is like a pretty good age, like be president. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when you think of it it in those terms, like, yeah, that's us. That's, we are the people who are the right age and are the right maturity level, hopefully, Mm -hmm. to be running for office. And I can also say personally from some of the legislators I've seen uh, on Facebook and things like that, it is not a high bar. Like, mm-hmm. you do not have to be well-read. You do not mm-hmm. have to be yeah. well-educated. Mm-hmm. You do not have to be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you should be all those things. Our mm-hmm. best politicians are these things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we all have a lot of imposter syndrome where, we're like, oh, like, that, like, better people than me mm-hmm. are, you know, people in office. And someone who went to high school with you and I is our representative right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, yeah. that we are them. Mm-hmm. So... So just think about where you want to see something change and kind of focus on the local level where you think you can have
0: the most effect. I love that. Um, Well, to go ahead and close things out, are there any last minute thoughts you'd like to leave our audience with today, Lindsay? Uh, Just to basically do your
1: best. Um, I think that one thing that can be really intimidating about Getting involved in leftist spaces, getting involved in politics, whatever, is that we feel like we won't do well enough, or someone will yell at us, or we're not educated enough. And the first step is always just to try and to do your best. There will always be something that you can do, and there will always be some way that you can help out a greater cause. And just trying and being willing to try and put some effort into it is all that anyone can ask of you.
0: Amazing. I love that. So um, with that, we'll go ahead and close out the podcast. I will have all of the links for uh, Lindsay's information to follow her on social media and check out all of the work she's doing in the show notes of this podcast. So Lindsay, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning into the Metamystic podcast. You can connect with us online on Instagram at the handle at Pod. You can connect with me, Tanya, at youmetawork on Instagram, or you can shoot us an email at metamysticpod at gmail.com. Until next time, be good to people, be good to yourself, stay away from cults, and take some time today to get hella meta. Bye!